Welcome to Home Selling Hero, hosted by real estate veteran Tom Didier. Each week, we break down today's ultra-hot home seller's market and give you the tips, tricks, and guidance to navigate the selling process and get the most out of selling your home. Proudly presented by the Tom Didier team. Let's jump in. Greetings and moyen. Welcome to the Home Selling Hero podcast. I am your host, Tom Didier. Today's topic is horror stories, not real horror stories. You're not going to be afraid. You're not going to have nightmares tonight. And it's going to be a combination of transactional horror stories, situations you don't want to find yourself in as a buyer or a seller, but also going to be real life situations of what it's like to be a realtor. We've got we've got a crazy lifestyle, this real estate thing. And every single day is totally different. We never know what we're going to be doing. And it's very unpredictable. It's super fun. Um, I always say you get out of it what you put into it, but there's there's a lot of stuff that happens along the way that you just shake your head and you're like, wow, I, I can't believe that happened. So I put together a little list, uh, my team members and myself, of things that might be educational, um, informational, and maybe just interesting and entertaining. So, all right, let's jump into it. Horror stories. Uh, I'm going to start with a story about when I was just starting out. I mean, I must have it must have been 95, 94, 95. I was showing houses. I was very young, and this is back in the day when we still had mechanical lockboxes, so um, no electronic lockboxes. I get to a showing. This must have been my first year, and I had the lockbox combination. I had the buyers with me. I walked up to the house. I think it was a summer day. I opened the screen door. I unlocked the lockbox. I opened the door 12 inches, and in the first two seconds, there was a large black cat that must have just been waiting there for me. This cat darted out of the house right through my legs. I think it ran into me while I was running out, just immediately like gone and the buyers now are like holy cow that cat just took off and of course I said geez I didn't get any instructions there was to be a cat here the cat was gone the cat was not sticking around it did not look over its shoulder it literally took off like a tiger through the neighbor's yards and we were like oh okay well let's look at the house so we finished the showing I don't remember how the showing went but I just remember calling looking around for this cat and calling the listing agent and saying hey, I'm sorry, but uh, we opened the door and there was a cat that just, it's gone. And I don't know, I'm hoping it's an indoor-outdoor cat that uh, that's fine. And a uh, listing agent called back and apologized for not letting me or the other brokers know that there would be a cat in the house. But apparently it was not an outdoor cat. <laughs> I, I should feel bad to this day. I don't know if it ever found it again. I mean, that cat looked like it did not want to live there. But uh yeah, I just remember that as like, wow, I just feel awful now. This cat is gone. Apparently, it's not an outdoor cat. But So sellers, if you have pets, do your due diligence and let your real estate agent know about the pet situation. Let them know if your pets are going to try and get out. A lot of our sellers remove pets from the listing while showing the house, sometimes even for the term of the listing just so they don't have to deal with it. So that's the first one. The second one, this one comes from one of my team members, Andrew. Real life story just happened a few years ago. Um, similar situation. He's showing a house. He's got some buyers with him. It's a duplex. Uh, he's going through the house, and then he realized there's somebody in the house, which is fine if you know they knew that there was going to be somebody there. But they said, is there somebody in the bedroom? Well, somebody came out of the bedroom person in the bedroom had not been notified of a showing and the person in the bedroom came out with a gun literally a black beretta handgun and the person was appeared to be and again I'm, this is hearsay because i wasn't actually there appeared to be pretty upset and confused and everyone in the house just backed away apologized profusely called me and called the police 
And as it turns out, it was a younger person. Best news is that it wasn't a real gun. It was a fake gun. And we learned that these, I don't know what you call them, if they're, if they're BB guns or pellet, they're not BB or pellet guns. It was actually a toy gun. And they, they're supposed to have a little orange mark on the end of the gun. We learned that these orange plastic marks come off. And if you take that orange mark off, it looks exactly like a real gun. So the police officer that was involved told us, they said, man, I saw the gun. It is exactly the same as the gun we carry, except that it's plastic. So long story short, everybody was fine. It was a little bit of a, a shock to the system. Everyone was a little afraid. And it did come down to lack of communication on the part of the listing agent that forgot to notify all the occupants of the home. I think they did notify some of the occupants, but not all of the occupants, obviously. So that is one that uh, I feel bad. Great experience to learn from, I guess. But something you certainly don't uh, don't expect to happen. So we're glad everyone was okay there. Next, and this is one of mine, and I was also very young, so it wasn't my deal. I was kind of assisting. It was another broker in my office, and it was a local tavern here, and it was the first time I got to assist in putting together a, a tavern sale. It was a business and the tavern, and everything was going good. The offer went great. Inspections went great. Everything was going good. As we got closer to closing, the buyer, who kind of knew the seller, I think, a little bit, asked for permission to go in there and really get a head start. Hey, everything's going great. We're closing in two weeks. Can we get a head start? Because we're going to be remodeling the place. Seller absolutely agreed. And I don't remember being involved in that negotiation. But the seller said, knock yourself out. I'd love to give you a head start. The bar was closed. So buyer went in there uh, with a crew of people and really got a head start in his remodel. And by really got a head start, I mean he gutted the building down to the studs. I mean, the studs were there, the exterior was there, but otherwise the walls were gone, the bar was gone. And of course, you fast forward, get to closing, and guess what? The loan has just been denied. There is no loan. We cannot close. This guy can't get the money. And now our seller is sitting with a completely gutted commercial property that is literally just almost almost torn down have a house to sell but not sure who to trust when it comes to getting the best deal and leveraging the current market trust the experts at the tom didier team with over a quarter century of selling milwaukee tom and his team of real estate experts are here to ensure that you get every penny you deserve out of selling your home no matter where you live in the dairy state, put one of Wisconsin's top real estate teams to work for you in selling your home and making the most of your real estate investment. Looking to buy a house instead? Tom and his team have you covered here as well, helping you craft and perfect the offer on your dream home. Visit SellingMilwaukee.com to find out how much your home could be worth and connect with the team to make your next real estate transaction a dream. Now, back to the show. So here we are with a closing that's supposed to be happening on a Friday. I think it's a Wednesday, and the bank says, hey, underwriting doesn't like this deal. Um, we can't close. The buyer doesn't have the funds to close. It's, it's all mortgaged, and we're stuck here. So the good news is, long story short, we were able to close that deal on a land contract where we removed the bank temporarily from the situation. We closed with the seller giving a mortgage. In that situation, we were lucky because the seller didn't have an existing mortgage that needed to be paid off. So we were able to get it closed. The buyer got in there, fixed the place up, opened, and I think it was about six to eight months after he opened, we were able to have that borrower reapply to a different lender for a loan, and he did get the mortgage, and we were able to pay our seller in full. So happy ending there, but 
I'll relate that into residential and why it is just a bad idea. And I understand you can't always say no, but if you're a seller and a buyer is asking you to occupy your house early for whatever logistical reasons, and which are totally understandable, it's just not a good idea to let the buyer into the house early. Even if the sold signs up and there's no contingencies and we know the loan's approved, the fact is the buyers are going to be living potentially in your house prior to them owning it. And that gives them an opportunity to find things about the house that they didn't know before. So I, I have countless stories of buyers living in a house for anywhere between two days and two weeks prior to closing. And it always turns out with, hey, buyers have some concerns here. We didn't realize that this or we didn't realize that. We didn't realize that there was a gun club down the road that they can hear shotguns going off every single night. And if the wind is just right, you can hear you can hear the guns. So that was a sticky situation that we did get closed, but a good example of why you don't want people living in your house. Now, again, logistically, sometimes to make the deal happen, you have to allow a buyer into your house. And we've got a lot of addendums for that that cover things like insurance and utilities and who pays for what, but always a good idea to not let somebody in. Next, remember, this was my personal deal. And it, it's an interesting story because it went from the greatest deal ever to the worst deal, which was Really nice subdivision home in Cedarburg. This was probably in the late 90s. At the time, I think it was a $400,000 home, which means if, if it was four hundred in the late 90s, it's probably an $800,000 home You know, this day. It was, a, it was a beautiful new home. And it was a great transaction. It was super smooth. Buyers were well qualified. Sellers were moving to Arizona. We had very few things to deal with. We had a minor home inspection that we, we dealt with, um, got through underwriting, appraisal, um, financing, insurance. Everything was great. We pre-signed, meaning that the sold sign was up. All contingencies have been removed. My sellers come into the office, uh, title company at the time. They pre-sign. We shake hands. They, they're super happy, like, this is so great. We're going to wire them the funds two days from now after closing, and you know, off they went to Arizona. Fast forward to the next morning, I get a call from the selling agent, which is the broker that is working with the buyers. And she says, Tom, I don't know how to tell you this. She said, but the buyers just broke up. You know, they were engaged. They weren't married. They were engaged. It was two separate people and they just broke up. And I mean, they broke up for good. It's not, it's not happening. Buyers are not coming. Well, one buyer is not coming to closing. So that was a first for me. I thought, well, this is interesting. We got a done cash deal here and uh, the offer certainly isn't contingent on them staying together. So in that situation, sellers got counsel, which we do often, oftentimes tell our sellers when it's time to get counsel. And it's, it's never a bad time to get, get an attorney. Some sellers would like an attorney involved from the beginning, which is never a bad idea. In this situation, we got an attorney involved. And um, it worked out great for the sellers. It worked out so great. And one of the buyers wanted out of the transaction so bad that the buyer agreed pretty immediately to a sum of money and said, yes, I understand contractually. I am obligated to buy your house. I'm not buying your house. I need to get out of here. And the sellers settled that deal pretty quickly. I think within a couple of days, um, my sellers got a undisclosed amount of money. We agreed to release the buyers and they went about their way. And we put the house back up for sale. And wouldn't you know it, the next offer was considerably more. <laughs> so it worked. It went from a horror situation to our sellers saying, wow, we are going to walk away from this deal with even more money. So second transaction went great, no problems, and they ended up making money. So it was a bad situation that ended up turning into a good one. Point being is there are situations out there that are completely out of everyone's control. Out of the buyer's control, seller's control, real estate agent's control, just life happens. And sometimes those things influence 
how a real estate transaction goes. That's a perfect example. That had nothing to do with anything, and here we were stuck with no closing, but we got through it. It was a good one to learn from. Everyone's heard of buyer's remorse, and it's totally real. Buyers of anything, houses, cars, right? Anything we buy occasionally go through buyer's remorse. Well, there is something called seller's remorse, and it's very real. Sellers oftentimes change their mind, and this is at any different time in the transaction. A lot of times it's really quick where they accept an offer, and 24 hours later, all of a sudden, they're feeling terrible about this and they want to get out of it. We just had a situation where our sellers accepted. They were super happy. Then they informed their kids, who apparently didn't know, and the kids said, absolutely not. Mom and Dad are not selling their house. Absolutely not. You're not. Absolutely not. And it was super emotional. Everyone was upset, and everybody got lawyers, of course. At the end of the day, in that situation, the parties did agree to let each other go. But in that situation, it was just a seller that got remorseful and wanted to cancel the deal. Other deals we've had, the seller's remorse has come right at the last minute where we've worked hard to get a transaction closed and we're right to the end. And the seller says, for whatever reason, like, I I don't want to move anymore. It's kind of funny. We hear often from our sellers after we help them get the house ready for sale and they see the virtual tour that we create for them. Can't tell you how many times a seller has said to us after they saw their home on the internet, like, I can't believe that's my home. It looks amazing. I don't want to move. I didn't know my house was this great. So um, seller's remorse does happen. It's something we deal with. Um, And of course, on the flip side too, buyer's remorse happens just as often. Sometimes it's influenced by other family members. Uh, Sometimes it's just a, a, you know, sometimes it's a job situation. We have had buyers under contract lose their jobs, not, not uncommon. And that obviously influences the buyer's ability to buy a house. If you don't have a job, you don't have income, you generally don't apply for a loan unless you're loaded with cash. So seller's remorse is something real. We deal with it all the time, something to consider, but there are many situations in real estate that you simply can't prepare for. We know which ones you can prepare for and you know we'll help you through all those, but life situations, you know, death, divorce, accidents, job loss, all those things are completely unpredictable, uh, but we deal with them as they come. Uh, next deal is a condominium deal. It was super interesting. It was a condo here locally, um, pretty smooth deal. It was a waterfront view. It was a, a beautiful condo. And well, the point of this is use a local lender because this buyer was using a lender from out of out of the area. They have underwriters in who knows what state. And also at the last minute, they said, and these were buyers that were very well qualified, great credit scores, great income, almost no debt. And the lender said, uh, the underwriters for the lender said, well, there's too many commercial condominiums in that building. This was a building where there was some commercial retail and office condominiums on the first floor and the top floors were all uh, residential condos. And it was super interesting because I've closed a lot of these condos and never had this problem. So for me, we went to the lender and said, what's going on here? This is like the 13th condo we've sold in here. We've never had these problems. What's the situation? Well, this lender had an underwriting rule that said, I believe it was, you can't have more than 25% of the building be commercial condos. So we dug into the contract, got some assistance from some other people, and started really reading what the underwriting rules were. And they did not define the 25%. It didn't say if it was the number of units or the square footage. So we started doing some measuring and came up with calculations saying, yeah, there's 25% of the number of units, but the square footage, 85% of the building is residential. So we drew that up, went back to them with a proposal. We did end up getting it closed. I think we were delayed a couple of days, but at the end of the day, we were able to figure it out. Um, we wouldn't have had that problem if the buyers had gone with a local lender that was extremely familiar with the building to begin with. So the lesson there is Buyers, use a local lender. Sellers, choose an offer from a buyer 
using a local lender. It will make everybody's lives easier. So well, I'll probably reiterate that every podcast because it, it really does make a big difference to use a local lender. All right, next story is where our sellers either intentionally or forgot to tell us that they didn't pull permits for the beautiful basement they constructed. Um, and I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they genuinely, genuinely probably forgot to mention that. But the buyers did some due diligence on their own part, went to the city uh, to ask about the basement remodel. And it turns out the city, of course, was very confused. They said, there's no, there's no basement remodel in that house. Of course, there was. Long story short, the uh, sellers were subject to triple fines uh, or triple permit fees. You basically take all the permit fees they should have pulled. The city was able to triple them, and the seller had to pay it. It was one of those situations where they didn't really have a choice. So, you know, they always say you can't fight city hall. So sellers, um, remember to disclose if you did not pull permits. If you didn't pull the permits, it's not a big deal. We can actually get it done. We pull, We have pulled permits after work has been done uh, by negotiating with the municipality we're in. Uh, generally speaking, the municipality appreciates honesty and openness about that, and they just want the whole point of the permit is is safety. They want to make sure wiring is safe and the furnace is safe and things like that. So, uh, be honest on your condition report. And then the last one is the best one. <laughs> it's not my story. It's uh, it's my brother's story. There's a bunch of us here in the business. Um, I'm in the business with my brothers, and my brother was shown a condo pretty recently, and he found a body, and it was. I'll just leave it at that. It was a situation where you just back away slowly. You call nine one one and let the authorities uh, deal with it. But it was a it was a very crazy situation that uh, the story made its way through the real estate industry locally here pretty quick. But I hope that never happens to me. It was the first time I I believe it's ever happened to anybody in our company. But uh, again, life happens. There are situations out there in real estate that you are you can't control or be prepared for. So when they happen, you just kind of deal with it as you go. So that's all of my stories I have. They were meant to be educational, informational, and and somewhat entertaining. Not meant to scare you, but these are things that can happen. So it's a fun. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get out of this industry anytime soon. I, I love it. It's uh, you never know what's gonna happen each day, and uh, hopefully there's more happy stories. And there are. There's horror stories don't happen often. When they do happen, we just talk about them and they're entertaining and we move on. But I'm going to hopefully have a lot more podcasts with happy stories. And again, the point is use a real estate professional. All these horror stories we got through, we figured it out. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you found this episode educational and informative. Remember to hit me up for anything you need real estate wise. And remember to always use a local lender. You won't regret it. See you next time. for listening to Home Selling Hero. For more, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and connect with Tom across LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have a question about selling your home or buying your next one, reach out to Tom at tom at tomdidier.com or call or text him directly at 414-881-3290. Home Selling Hero is a production of Tom Didier Real Estate in partnership with Westport Studios. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and any information presented during the course of discussion is presented as reliable under the laws of the state of Wisconsin. Be sure to consult a local agent for any nuances where you may live.